Welcome to Front Office Pros. Today, we're going to be talking about our Week 16 IDP recap. And this is an exciting one, gentlemen. It's championship round week. So we're going to be talking about a preview heading into this week and who we would recommend that you should start or add. You're going to want to listen to that. Uh, with us is a special guest today making his first appearance with Front Office Pros, which is none other than Jace Abbey. Jace is co-host of the IDP After Show. And he also writes content and rankings for DLF Football. Jace, thanks so much for joining the show today. It's absolutely my pleasure, guys. As I was saying off air, you guys have been killing it in this space. It's uh, yeah, it's a joy to be on. Looking forward to talking football. Hut, hut, hike! And we're going to start with the studs from Week 17. Jace, who do you have as your stud? Yeah, this guy, I love this guy's story. So I've gone with uh, Andrew Van Ginkle. You just, you have to be impressed with what he's done. This year, filled in for Jalen Phillips, moved into more of that sort of tweener off-ball role again when Phillips came back. And then when Phillips went out again, AVG is back on the edge almost full-time. 27 pressures in the last five games, four sacks in his last four. You know, there was a question or not whether or not he could get it done against the better offensive lines because most of his production had come against teams like the Commanders, the Jets, the Giants, you know, teams that have really struggled to protect their quarterback. But last week, Cowboys, arguably the best game of his season and maybe, in fact, his career, I think. Uh, Nine pressures, two sacks, seven tackles and a batted pass as well. I don't know how much you guys like to invest in uh, PFF numbers, but it's encouraging to note that it was his second game with a pass rush grade above 90, and I think his fifth or sixth game with a a grade above 80. Uh, It's sometimes kind of difficult to quantify what difference um, defensive players and their performances have on a game, but in a game as close as that one, uh, where it becomes you know a question of just a couple of points, I think it's pretty clear to see that he was a difference maker for that team last week. So for me, my stud, AVG, love him, love his locks. I'm clearly very jealous. (laughs) Let's see what he can do going forward. Now, Jace, I I have to ask, you know, and we talked about this a little bit off air. I mean, is this pick being influenced at all by the various Dolphins fans that, uh, you know, you're around, you know, because you said that you hang out with a lot of Dolphins fans. It's it's the exact opposite. I, I wanted to choose a non-Dolphins player because I'll never hear the end of it from them once uh, once they hear this. But yeah, I had to go with AVG. He's, uh, he's like I say, I just love his story. He's kind of come from nowhere. Nobody expected him to deliver on this level. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for the onslaught of, uh, of messages I receive from my, uh, my Dolphins friends. You know, it's interesting because back in 2021, he had sort of a, you know, kind of surging year. He had 50 solo tackles, four sacks. You know, there was a thought that, okay, he's going to take that next step. But then in 2022, didn't really see that. Only had a half a sack, didn't play very well. Um, and, you know, you saw the Dolphins felt the need to go ahead and trade and acquire a guy like Bradley Chubb, giving up a first-round pick to pair Jalen Phillips with a running mate. As you mentioned, Phillips goes out for the year. Van Ginkle now steps in. And he's been playing really well. Um, like you said, he's got six sacks this year. It's interesting. I, I I don't know what his contract situation is off the top of my head. 
I'm curious what's going to happen with him next year. Jalen Phillips comes back. They have Bradley Chubb. Does he just become a rotational guy again? Is he a free agent? Does he go somewhere else? Uh, he's a great guy to have as the next man up. Just don't know what his overall ceiling is going forward. I'm right there with you. You know, he's not. He's no. He's not young any longer. He's like what 28 years old now. Um, he's 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 played too well, I think, to move back into that sort of tweener role. Um, but they've, like you say, they've got two really good players. Chubb's been on fire last the last the last month and pretty much the whole season. Phillips, his his ceiling is sky high if he can stay healthy. You know, he's he was one of my picks to to have a massive breakout year this year. So yeah, they've got two great players there already. They have no huge need for Van Ginkle. You can never have enough pass rushers, but Van Ginkle's played well enough to I think deserve a larger role going forward so let's 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 see what happens i don't know his contract situation either to be honest with you but i'd be interested to have a look yeah he is 28 years old by the way yeah i like this mm-hmm. call by you jace i mean van ginkle's a guy that i've always liked i don't know what it is i don't know if it's the long hair flowing out of the helmet or what but uh just always liked the way he played and i agree i think he definitely does deserve some more playing time but you know he also does so many great things for this team you know special teams you often see him you know blocking punts or picking up the return on a scoop and score as well. So I think he's a, you know, asset that if he is an incoming Frisian, like they'd want to secure and keep on the, on the dolphins. So I yeah. did look that up. He is a free agent next year. So that makes it even more interesting for me because there are so many teams that are desperate for pass rush help. So, and more than likely, I don't know if the dolphins will, will look to resign. They've got Tua, who they decided is, I think is playing on the fifth year option. Uh, or decide to accept the fifth-year option. So they're eventually going to have to sign him, I would think, to a large-term deal because he's been able to stay healthy and not stay concussed. So as a result, there are some bigger contracts down the line. you got Waddle as well. He's starting to get up there. So more than likely, Van Ginkle's probably on the way out, which means if he goes to a team that's desperate for pass rush help, that could be his opportunity to really be on the ascent. So I think he's a guy to monitor this offseason. So, Joe, who was your stud from Week 16? Man, my stud that I'm going with this week is Malcolm Kuntz. Uh, he had three sacks, assist the tackle, five solos, two tackle for losses, and four quarterback hits. Um, you know, the impressive thing is he only had a snap sh- 19% snap share in this game. Uh, he had a pressure rate of 49.5, and, and he now has five sacks over his last two games. You know, it was one thing to do it the prior week against the Chargers with Easton Stick at quarterback, but this was a statement game against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I was pretty impressed with him. He's been on an absolute tear, like you said, over the past two weeks. And, you know, I guess maybe Raiders fans were hoping that this person would be Tyree Wilson. I mean, you drafted him high in the first round. You're expecting something out of him. Uh, you got Chandler Jones. He's, you know, not doing well, you know, hope he does better, hope he's feeling better or whatever's going on in his situation. But, you know, he's been, I think, dismissed from the team or, you know, I don't even know what's going on in his situation. So as a result, now you've got Malcolm Kuntz, who, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's come on the scene these past two weeks out of, out of Buffalo. Uh, you know, you like what you see between him and Max Crosby. I just wonder if is it going to be sustainable? I mean, I, he won't obviously continue at this rate, but, um, I like it if Antonio Pierce stays as the from interim to official head coach. I mean, he's got these guys playing. Uh, it feels very reminiscent to me. I'm taking a slight tangent. 
We saw what Steve Wilkes did as an interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers. We really saw this team then play. They elected not to bring him back. And you've seen the Panthers is like a like a balloon. It's like Meh. it's like they they just the air is all out, you know. And the team is just really really bad. I see the same thing that could happen to the Raiders. Pierce has just got that such a fire in him, and if they elect to go elsewhere, I think I mean this roster is not that talented. Uh, I think it could go south real fast. Yeah, I like the Coons pick as well. I. Um... I was writing about him last week, uh, and I I offered it up as a bit of a, a a reach to suggest that people went out and added him because I, like you, wasn't sure that he could sustain what we'd seen over the previous three four weeks. But it's been like four or five weeks now, um, and he looks he looks by far and away the second best pass rusher on that team, which doesn't doesn't sound great. But when you're playing alongside Max Crosby, that's uh, that's a you know that's that's a good thing. He's He's and not only has he been sort of delivering the sack numbers, but he's, his win rate as well has been right up there. Um, and his 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 playing time, I think, will increase. I believe they they're best served having a, a rotation at one spot with Koontz and Tyree Wilson as Wilson gets up to speed, with Crosby on the other end playing his usual ridiculous number of uh, of snaps. So <laughs> yeah, really really like the Koontz call, and the more. The more I see him do it, the more I tend to believe it. And there's a few guys like this, one that I'm going to talk about in a bit, actually, who, you know, they're younger guys. They have they did very little for the first half of the season. I don't think Koontz had his first sack until week nine. But down the stretch, these are the guys that are helping teams win the playoffs in, the, in their fantasy championships, I think. Absolutely. So my stud from week 17 is going to be defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Barmore had the game of his life against your Denver Broncos, Joe. And PFF agrees. Uh, he led all defensive tackles with a 91.8 grade. Uh, Barmore racked up three sacks, one QB hit, a hurry, eight total tackles, five solo, and a forced fumble. I mean, this guy was an absolute wrecking ball. And uh, honestly, I think uh, he might be a star in the making. And, and here's a stat that took me by surprise, guys. Uh, Christian Barmore on the year is tied for second in the most amount of sacks for an interior defensive line with eight and a half sacks. I was shocked. Obviously, the three sacks helped uh, this past week, but I did not did not know that. And when I saw that, I was quite surprised. You know, Barmore, the former second round pick out of Alabama. Uh, if you remember, he had that first round pedigree uh, and the potential to join the first round, but he slid out, went to the second round. Um, Joe, we talked you know, defensive tackle all the time. It takes a while for these guys to develop. And Barmore, you know, he was always a guy that was going to be interesting because he had that pass rush ability. Some interior defensive linemen they just don't have it. He did. So as a result, you knew that he had the ceiling to possibly be really good, but he really didn't show much the first two years. Uh, but I think we're starting to see a break on our hands. I think Barmore is just going to ascend right from here. Yeah, he he. I, I've always liked Barmore because he's always been that guy that produces high pressure volume, but has has failed to record many sacks. And that that is the kind of player that I like to try and buy low because they're being disruptive. They're getting near the quarterback, but they're just not getting home. And we know that that will even out over time. The sack numbers will catch up, and I think that's what we're seeing this year. I think it might be what we what we were going to see last year before that injury that he had uh, cost him like half a season, but. Yeah, I, I love what we're seeing now. Uh, the pressure, like you say, the pressure rate, the, the sack numbers, and his win rate, you know, they're all, I think, top 10 at defensive tackle. He's getting the the snap volume as well. 
there's there's a lot to like. He's very young. Um, he's never going to be a. Uh, he's never going to pad the the stat sheet in terms of tackles. He's not like a Derek Brown type, and he never will be. But um, he's not that far behind in that sense. And yeah, that pass rush upside is what we really want, isn't it? It's what we really cover in fantasy, and that's that's what he delivers. Yeah, I mean, especially at the defensive tackle position. I mean, that was always what was nice about you know Aaron Donald. Not only was he just dominating and stuffing the runs, but he gave you that pass rush upside in the sacks. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's all definitely an interesting player. I know you mentioned we've talked about that in the past, Steve. Um, but I think he's tied with uh, Zach Seiler, who also has eight and a half sacks. Might be. I know there were. A f- um, I know Ed Oliver also had eight and a half. There are a few that are in that eight and a half section. Um, but, I mean, I think it's impressive what Barmore is doing too, without them having like a true peer edge rusher to worry about on the edge. Um, you know, without Matthew Judon right now. And he's still and he's still getting done winning his matchup on the inside and pressuring the quarterback. Real quick, Chase, want to get your thoughts on this. This might be based on your IDP settings, so that could change things based on your answer here. But mm-hmm. would you rather have a defensive tackle that high, has a high tackle floor, like you mentioned, like a Derek Brown, or would you rather have a guy that you could just erupt and get you like this multiple sack game and has that pass rush prowess? I, you know, because it's usually not both, right? Like you said, it's kind of one or the other typically. Who would you say you typically target? You like the high tackle floor or do you like the the ceiling of, of multiple sacks? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a top sort of person that does like to chase a, a low floor, um, but I think DT might be one of the few exceptions. So if we were talking about DBs, for example, I'll chase tackles over big plays because those big plays are so difficult to predict. Interceptions. Uh, even pass breakups sometimes are quite are really hard to predict. Whereas sacks for a defensive tackle, they're a little easier to predict. You can see some of the underlying pass rush metrics. You know, we're talking about the pressure rates, the win rates, that sort of thing. And then to see a body of work as well is something that I liked. I like to look back on. And that's, as I say, with Barmore's first season as a rookie, 51 pressures. That's 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 damn near incredible. You know, it's a really difficult position to master. Even the the, the future Hall of Famer Aaron Donald didn't master the position in his first season. Like I say, then Barmore had that second year. This year is really his first full healthy year since his rookie year. So, yeah, I like to chase the upside at the DT spot. And it just so happens that the majority of leagues that I'm in do reward sacks quite handsomely compared to tackles. So, yeah, for me at DT, pass rush upside all the way. I feel the same way. You too, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I think it was a good point, you know, chase the upside there with the sack numbers and go for your more safer options at DB to get you, get you that stability. But if your DT booms, I mean, that's going to be a big advantage. So are you enjoying this video so far? Well, if you are, show your support to our new channel by hitting the subscribe button and liking this video. We'll be creating videos all NFL season long, so you're not going to want to miss what we have in store. So transitioning over to the duds, guys, who was your dud from week 16? For me, uh, Alex Anzalone, um, and it's probably a bit unfair to single him out after the you know the season that he's had. He's held onto that sort of sole full time role all year, annoying the the hell out of the the Jack Campbell managers out there. I'm I'm one of them, but you know Anzalone's delivered. He's he's just gone over a hundred tackles, I think, or very close to it for the second year in a row, and he's doing that despite playing like two hundred snaps fewer than he did last year. Um, but yeah, I got to mention him because when we needed him most, he disappeared. He had like four combined tackles, I believe, two solos, 
think he ranked something like 48 out of 55 linebackers, minimum 40 snaps in combined tackles last week, just completely disappeared. And he did that while still playing every down and against an opponent that should have been a pretty friendly matchup for opposition linebackers. So, yeah, pretty disappointed in what he did. I'm sure he's going to bounce back. Like I say, he's still got that every down role. It was just a shame that it happened when we uh, when we needed a big game, right? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting when it comes to Anzalone and just the linebacker position in general, which I've started to kind of reevaluate in my head <laughs> what my what my strategic, uh, you know, what, what, what I, what's my strategy when it comes to rostering the linebacker position? Because you look at Anzalone, right? He came from the New Orleans Saints. Basically, was a, I mean, somewhat of a rotational linebacker special teamer. I mean, for his first five years in the NFL, he was an absolute just not fantasy relevant player now over the past two years now he's be you know been inserted as a starter like you said had 125 total tackles last year uh has 112 this year uh but more than likely next year he's gonna i, I would think jack campbell is gonna take over i mean I, I can't imagine that they draft him in the first round not to insert him into the lineup next year i don't know what anzalone's contract situation is but i would think that he's you know, he's going to be gone. And after that, I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be uh, uh, for sure getting a starting role somewhere else. So that means like what a bumpy ride for an Anzalone owner. If I guess if you had him from the beginning, you had him for five years, he did nothing. Then he's been good for two. And then probably he's going to ride in the sunset. So I, I don't know. It's so hard. You know, I, I, we've got a friend of ours. He's like, I will not invest in a top linebacker at all. Cause you can find Alex Anzalone's, you know, they, they're, they're falling off trees. You know, I, I usually were like, nah, I'd rather have a guy like Roquan Smith or Devin White. Or like, I, I knew, well, not maybe not Devin White this year, but, you know, I know this guy's going to get me, you know, a certain amount of tackles. I know he's going to be good. Well, where do you stand on this, Joe? Yeah, I think it's interesting. So are you falling back into that? You know, linebackers kind of grow on trees, and you can you can find. I'm starting. Them really I'm starting to think like that when you see the Alex Anzalone do what he's doing. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting because I mean, obviously, you know, I I got uh, Levante David, and I've got some stud linebackers on my team, but you do kind of wonder, like, even though I got those guys, I mean, they average like twenty, you know, over twenty points per week for me. Do you kind of sit back and wonder, like, is the investment at that position like worth it, or could I've spent money elsewhere and then you know gone cheaper and still gotten similar production jace what do you make of this mess (laughs) yeah i've i've gone on a similar journey to you it sounds like so i used to uh you know linebacker um because it's one of the most coveted positions in in idp you know we, we always talk about how linebacker is king but i think the reason it's king is 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 because of scarcity position scarcity a lot of leagues out there want to start you know three linebackers in a, even in a 12-team league, 36 full-time linebackers, when you, especially during those weeks when you've got, you know, six six teams on a bye, it's really hard. You start, you're start you starting guys who are playing 75% of the snaps some weeks, and that's not not ideal. But I've definitely swung much more in favor of streaming linebackers. If I've inherited a team with a, you know, a Foyer, a Roquan, a, even Zaire Franklin, um, then I, I'm more than happy to keep those guys. Um, but if someone wants to pay me big bucks, um, you know, a lot of draft picks or give me a, uh, an ascending player at a premium position, then I'm always quite tempted because I know that out there, and especially years like this one, there's so many injuries that I've been starting 
every man and his dog. Like guys I'd, I'd barely <laughs> heard of before the season started. The KJ Brits, I'm looking down the list now. So in my top 10, I've got guys like Bobby Okereke and Alex Anzalone, um, you know, TJ Edwards. You could go, You could find some of these guys very cheaply before the season started. I'd rather start some of those and deal with that 20, 30, 30 point drop off over the course of his season than go out and invest a really high draft pick in someone like a Roquan. Well, even a guy like Joe, I mean, you've got like, you know, Alex Singleton with the Broncos. I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. been an absolute tackling machine. Or, yeah. you know, you've got even like, you know, you run Bobby Spillane, you know, adding into the season. You know, you thought that he could, you know, he's he's hit done really well, but how good is Bobby Spillane? <laughs> you know what I mean? I always, I mean, uh, I mean, Spillane was interesting to me. I liked what he, he showed flashes in Pittsburgh and then he comes over to the Raiders and I was interested in him. I got him on the cheap and he's turned out pretty good. But yeah, I mean, I guess that, kind of proves the point like did I you know I spent up pretty good on Levante David he's been great but at the same time you know I was able to draft a guy like Ernest Jones and now he's an absolute stud and then you know pick up a guy like Spillane really cheap in the offseason too well I think it's one of those things where it's like do you have confidence like okay I'm going to my matchup this week I got Bobby <laughs> Spillane this week you know what I mean like it doesn't exert like a ton of confidence like oh he's gonna crush you know what I mean where you have yeah, like that, that name where you can anchor on like oh I have Levante David Levante David he's gonna do really well you know so it's one of those things where it's like I don't know how much I think you'd be one of those you'd have to be like check it and forget it like you couldn't like you know I don't know how you are I am I'm really bad at it I'm one of those people who like look at my roster once twice three okay so i got my guys am i good like do i like these guys as my starters you know and i feel like if i look through the list and i see alex anzalone is my linebacker robert's playing like mm, i pick somebody else you know but if i did if i didn't do that i just set it and forget it then i probably would be fine but i'll overthink it be like well you think you're going to project that many points uh, i don't know and then then it becomes like a nightmare before before kickoff Totally with you. I at one point I looked at my team and I had I had uh, you know Spillane. I had um, who was the other one? I was, um, Damone Clark and Duke Riley were my starting linebackers in one. It doesn't give you any sense of joy or comfort whatsoever <laughs> going into a playoff game with those no. guys. <laughs> you know, holding the uh, hold. You know, they're holding your playoff hopes in their hands. It's it's not it's not it's not a pleasant experience. No, no, not at all. Um... So, uh, Joe, who do you have as your dad? Yeah, it's a guy that uh, we've talked about quite a bit on the show. He's kind of been an up-and-down player this year, which he had been on a hot streak. But going with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, last couple of weeks he's been pretty disappointing. This past week he just had one quarterback hit. You know, the week before that he had one tackle for you. So he really hasn't done a whole lot after, you know, a stretch where – he had a couple half sacks and a two sack game against some, you know, weaker offensive lines. Um, and then, you know, although he had still had a snap share of 97% in this game, he also had a, you know, passers grade of 51.9. So I, you know, the metrics and stuff are still there. He's just not getting, didn't get home for the sack for you the last couple of games and not producing the way you would anticipate him to. I'm curious what you think about this one, Jace. This one's kind of a confusing one to me because I think Thibodeau's got the potential. It might be just one of those things that's just defense inconsistent, right? I mean, it's very rare that you're going to see a defensive lineman or any really any position, you know, consistently show up. 
is this a concerning thing that we're seeing kind of this like scattered plot of like, you know, there's like, Oh, you know, here, here comes a couple of games where he goes off and then there's other games that he's not like, what, what are your thoughts there on Thibodeau? Yeah. I'm not overly concerned with the, 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 the spikes in his performance. Um, I defended someone like Josh Allen, you know, when we saw this, the same from him earlier in the season, but the difference with uh, Thibodeau and, and Allen is that Thibodeau, hasn't been generating a huge amount of pressure and I think I'm a little lower than consensus on him for that reason certainly in redraft anyway so I want to see a guy that's getting loads of pressures and hopefully loads of sacks but if I see a guy that's getting loads of sacks and not many pressures uh, Thibodeau is one example uh, Deo Odeyingbo another guy I do actually like but if you look at the amount of sacks he's got to the amount of pressures he's got he's this his conversion rate is crazy good and I, I worry that they might not be able to sustain that that said, I, I really like Thibodeau for Dynasty. Wouldn't be surprised if he completely went off next year. Uh, I'm just cool. I'm a little cool on him this year. Cooler than most. So you, you were always going to have this debate because they were both in that same class. But you look at Aiden Hutchinson and you look at Kayvon Thibodeau. I was always a Thibodeau guy. Joe obviously is biased because he's a go blue Michigan guy. <laughs> Um, but when you look at it this year, interestingly enough, this is where you talk about, and this is where it's hard when you just have sacks as the measure for pass rush. Uh, you've got, you know, Thibodeau at 11 and a half sacks. Aiden Hutchinson, guys, you know on the top of your head how many sacks he has? I think it's like seven. It's quite low. Yeah, very close. Six and a half. That's really low. But I know his pressure rate is super high. So it's one of those things where it's not showing up on the stat sheet. And if you've got Aiden Hutchinson, you're extremely disappointed because you thought this guy was going to take the next step, but it's not showing on the box score. Mm-hmm. He reminds me a little bit of that Crosby season we saw where he led the NFL with like 100 pressures, but only had like three games mm-hmm. with sacks, but they were multi-sack games. I'm. It depends what we're looking for. If we're looking back on how well these players have done over the course of the season, it's very easy to say, you know, Thibodeau's had a really, a really good year, but the reality is I think that he's been a little lucky at times to get those sack numbers and if i was to pick one of those two players next year it would be hutchinson all day every day there you go steve uh, somebody with it i already know joe's answer i already know his. <laughs> I didn't even have to say your answer. <laughs> somebody without a bias agreed hutchinson <laughs> i'm still gonna stick with Thibodeau, but uh that no, was, uh, uh, do you what? like see, that's the thing because you like the flash and he flashed at oregon and yeah you know, and, and you liked him coming out, and I was like, I don't know, I had my doubts on the guy, but <laughs> flash over hustle. I'm just kidding. That's um... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a grinder. You know, you mentioned the Max Crosby, um, you know, that a comparison, and I think it's actually pretty pretty good because I mean, Hutchinson's got that same motor and just guy that's not going to stop. Well, you go ahead and reach out to that owner and try to try to acquire him because they probably aren't gonna don't know about all the pressures. So you can go ahead and try to acquire him. Yeah, look, I mean, you, I I went and signed uh, Max Crosby, and then he was the number one. No, you you called uh, that. You got that. Yeah, yeah that that uh, you did. No, I, I gave you credit <laughs> there. That you're not wrong. Yeah. All right, guys. So this is gonna be a doozy for me. I might need some help. Um, my dud from this week is, and honestly, he's been a dud all year, frankly. Uh, he's, I've been massively disappointed with Von Miller. Um, I have no idea what's going on, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. Von Miller had 32 snaps last week. He had one solo tackle, and that's it. On the year, 
Vaughn has nine hurries, three QB hits, with zero sacks and three solo tackles. I mean, that is absolutely abysmal. It looks like when I'm watching the games, it looks like he's going at a six speed. Like I like I don't understand. Like he could be going at a 10, but he's like going at a six. And it's almost like his assignment is a quarterback contained because he's not even pursuing the quarterback. So part of me is like, okay, give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe, you know, he's trying to preserve himself. He tore his ACL on Thanksgiving, wasn't able to be there for his team in the playoffs. He wants to win a Super Bowl. So maybe he's trying to preserve himself into the playoffs, and then he's going to give 110%. But if he's not, like, this is like highway robbery, what we're paying Von Miller as a Buffalo Bills fan. Like, this is outrageous. Like, we would be better off having Jonathan Kingsley out there. He's giving more effort than what Vaughn's doing. I just, I'm, I'm so curious outside of my bills, you know, tunnel here, you know, I want to hear what you guys have to say about this. Brian, you know, you're a Broncos fan, Joe, you have a long history of Von Miller. Jace, I want to hear your thoughts. What, 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 what's going on with Von Miller here? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I can really think of, I mean, I don't know if he's preserving himself. I mean, obviously that is a thought, but I just think also he just might be just taking a while to come back from the, you know, knee injury he suffered last year. He's not a spring chicken anymore. And, you know, it could just be taking him a little extra time. But I agree with you. I mean, we don't see the usual pass rush moves from Von Miller that we're used to seeing that we even saw last year prior to the injury. He's almost just running like a straight line past the offensive line and then almost, you know, stopping and, like you said, not pursuing. So I I think it could just take him a little bit and hopefully by – you know, playoff time, you'll see more of the patented Von Miller and him start making some plays. Well, I don't even think I've seen his ghost move. He's, you know, he's, you know, he's nowhere to be found. So it's like, I I don't know, maybe that's what you're saying. Like, he's not testing his body. Like, he's not. Being- yeah, those, those are the Patrick's moves I'm saying. Like, you just don't see him do. But that was something you saw last year, him do all the time. You know, whether it was with the Broncos or the Rams helping him win the Super Bowl. Um, just not seeing that out of him this year. But that's yeah, his think, calling card. Doesn't make sense. Go ahead, Jace. <laughs> I'm gonna keep getting interrupting here. You gotta get in here. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I think you've just nailed it there. I think uh, you know the age is is obviously a a, a part of it. Uh, it always is when these guys get to that sort of 34, 35 sort of age bracket where he's at right now. But but the the steep drop off from last year is too steep for it just to be an an age related thing in a uh, in a vacuum so yeah it's got to be got to be something a hangover from that injury i know the 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 edge rotation there in buffalo is still quite heavy even after leslie frazier's uh departed but even so you know like last last week you mentioned he played a, a, a pretty uh, his biggest role of the season almost half the defensive snaps which was his biggest role of the year and finished with next to nothing trebled his his tackle total for the year with his one solo so uh, yeah, I believe, like you, uh, you know, the injury plays a huge part here. Athleticism was such a huge part of his game. Not saying he wasn't savvy, he was, but his athleticism, his get-off, his first step, you know, as 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 a, as a Chargers fan and, and you know, you as a, as a Broncos fan, we're used to seeing him just devastate offensive tackles with his get-off. That's been lacking. It's got to be some in some way related to that injury, just taking him a while to come back, I think. Um, I don't know if he'll ever, I doubt he'll ever be anything like even the player we saw last year again, because next year, you know, he'd be 35 before the season starts. But you've got you to hope that he's going to be a little bit better than he's been this year. You can't be any worse. Well, I, the thing that just, just 
riles me up is that he was he was legit last year. I mean, he was really good. I mean, he, I mean, he, I mean, so I understand the ACL. I just, he came back from it so soon. I don't know why they felt the need to put him in there, but they're like, Oh, we want to give him those reps to kind of test out. I'm hoping that he's just kind of, you know, kind of playing it easy right now. And he's going to turn on the jets when when the games matter. I just, I think at the end of the day, he, he was so good last year. I just hope, you know, for my sake as a Bills fan, I just hope we see that come out. I, I think from an IDP standpoint, his value is pretty basically down the tubes, unless all of a sudden he makes the resurgence in 35. I mean, you have seen pass rushers play, you know, long careers. I mean, you saw Terrell Suggs until the bitter end. That guy was an impactful player, and even when he was that old, I mean, there are some other ones I can't think of off the top of my head. Uh, there are ones that can play really late in their career. Uh, he is an elite He'll be a you know first time Hall of Fame you know ballot player, uh, you know you know so we'll have to see how that shakes out. But heading into our championship week, guys, this is a week seventeen. We're gonna give a tip of the week for those out there who are in the championship. Jace, what is yours? Yeah, so I've gone with Kobe Turner. So when I alluded to the idea that uh, when we're talking about Malcolm Kuntz, and I mentioned that there's other other young guys who have really stepped up in the last sort of four or five games i had turner in mind you know we don't want to get too carried away when we see one maybe two big performances from guys that haven't done it before but sometimes these you know these big these big sort of performances are a question of maybe an easy matchup or just pure luck perhaps especially in the case of dbs and pass rushers but in turner's case i'm kind of inclined to believe what i'm seeing because he's been doing it for the last four or five games, he's far from the finished article. And yet, you know, as a rookie, he's he's sixth amongst all DTs with 21 pressures. That's ahead of DeForest Buckner, Ed Oliver, and Quinn and Williams over that five-game span. Tied with Barmore, or roughly tied with Barmore, with five sacks over that same period. And his 22.4% win rate ranks eighth at the position. Uh, I've nominated him as my tip this week, for not only for those people who are in DT required leagues, but anyone that has three DL spots available in their league because the Rams face the Giants this weekend. And I know the Giants only allowed one sack last weekend, but no team in the NFL has allowed more this year. And with guys that they have on their interior, Ben Bredesen, Justin Pugh, uh, Schmitz Jr., I think, Turner and maybe Donald as well are just going to have a day. They could go off. Yeah, it's interesting. I had Kobe Turner as my uh, pick IDP tip, you know, a few weeks back against the Commanders didn't show up. Uh, but I'm with you. I mean, Kobe Turner's been great, Joe. I, I apologize. I, 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 you I'm wanted to this. take him, and I said that why would you want to take him? Um, I thought it was a horrible pick. You picked him in the sixth round, I think, in our league. Um, all for him to be poached off your roster. You no longer own him. <laughs> sad, sad story there. <laughs> you should have protected him if you believed in him. Well, the thing of it, I just didn't, at the time he got poached, he hadn't really done that much yet. So I didn't think that he was really at risk. Um, but he was a player I was intrigued by, you know, and took, took a flyer on. You told me it was a bad pick when I did take him. And then now he's, you know, been playing pretty well. Um, and I wish he didn't get pushed off my team and I still had him because I still think he's an interesting player that I'd like on my roster. 
especially for a defensive tackle to have somebody young in the pipeline that who yeah. could develop. The only question is if when, when Aaron Donald is no longer there, is he just benefiting so much from him at this point? But uh, I, for this week, anyways, JC, you got to fire him up in your, in your championship week for sure. Yeah, I think so. Good question. You asked that about the Donald factor. Um, yeah, definitely want to keep an eye on his, you know, in, in future years. Uh, but for, like you say, for this week and against the, against the giants and especially their interior, I'm 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 team team Turner all the way. Yeah, definitely so, for this week. That that's a great call. So, Joe, who what is your IDP pro tip of the week for week seventeen? Yeah, I'm going with uh, should start Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa this week. He has a nice matchup against the Jets. He's also had back to back games with an interception, and I'd like that streak to continue this week as he gets to face Trevor Simeon. Um, with the Jets at quarterback and you know also the Jets have a weak line really good matchup for that as well and he's a guy that gets in there and blitzes and usually gets a sack so I'd like him to pick up a sack this week as well yeah I really like that matchup and, and part of the reason why I like it is because I think Brees Hall has like the fifth most or receptions right now out of any player over these past few weeks and so you know who's going to be covering him it's going to be JOK. So to me, he's going to have a good opportunity for sacks, good opportunity for tackles, and a good opportunity to possibly a pick. So all the above for JOK. So uh, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, also a big fan. Um, was a huge fan uh, of his after his rookie year. Obviously, the sophomore year wasn't quite there, um, but the, he's come back with a with a vengeance in his third season. And I'm, I like how his role has grown as the season's unfolded. It's been a bit of a messy situation there amongst the Brownless linebackers, but uh, he's clearly emerged as their top player at the position, the most athletic, the most modern of all the linebackers they have in terms of his skill set. Uh, it would also help him if uh, Walker was out for another game as well. I don't know his status currently, but yeah, I really like that pick. So my IDP pro tip of the week for week 17 is to go ahead and add, if he's not add already, and start this guy, which is Kaliki Hudson, if I'm even saying it correctly. Kalik. Uh, here's a Kalik. Thank you, Joe. Kalik <laughs> Hudson was mostly a special teams player until recently. Uh, and since being thrusted into the starting role, Hudson has had 13 total tackles and 15 total tackles. Additionally, he's had the second most amount of snaps for linebackers last week with 83 snaps. Now the commanders play the 49ers, and I'm sure Christian McCaffrey is going to run all over the place on him. Uh, he leads the league with all running backs and attempts. So this guy is probably going to rack up another 10 plus tackles. Uh, you got to go get this guy. He, you know, it's one of those things. You got Agent Jack Sanborn a few years ago. You've just got different linebackers, especially towards the end of the year when teams are milling it in. They put these, you know, linebackers that were not starters uh, for most of the year. And I was like, okay, have fun. And then they just go on a, a tackle bonanza. So uh, he, he fits the bill. So I'm picking up this guy and I'm starting him with confidence. Yeah, he's been on he's been on fire, hasn't he? Uh, probably the linebacker to own the last two weeks and hasn't even been a, a, a 100% snap share guy, a full-time guy close to it last week. Uh, but all year, I was I mentioned that I was streaming linebackers, so I was like, who's it going to be come playoff time? Is it going to be Cody Barton? Is it going to be Jameen Davis? Is it, is it going to be David Mayo? I was wrong on all accounts. It's uh, it's Hudson. He's the guy to own there. 
in Washington right now. Um, what I really like about him is he's been he's been delivering huge numbers despite playing against teams that typically don't allow many tackles to linebacker spots. Um, so that's been the case the last two weeks, and he's you know erupted like you said. This week he has another team who typically don't allow many tackles to linebacker spots, but I I wouldn't bet against him at all. In, in replicating what he's done the last few weeks. Even if the numbers were slightly down, it would still be a huge week. So, yeah, love the Hudson Gore. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's uh, nice to see him starting to come on, you know, with, with uh, in Michigan. He was really just a all-around guy. Oh, he's a little bit of a here, do everything Here we go. Here we go. You know, he fire him off on the blitz off the edge. Obviously, uh, you know, get into the coverage as well, but... Yeah, it's nice to see him finally producing at the NFL level and definitely a guy uh, that's been on a hot streak. I should have done my research ahead of time and figured out this guy played in Michigan. I thought I said he played at Hawaii, and all of a sudden I didn't realize he was in Michigan. No, that's how I know it's Cody Hudson, man. It's... Oh, brother. <laughs> real, real quick, what does this say about Yamin Davis, though? Because Yamin Davis was a former first-round pick out of Kentucky, had high hopes that he was going to be the linebacker in that draft, and Cody Cutson is just going nuts. What's going on? Why is Yami Davis not seeing the field? Like, what? Why isn't he? Why? Why isn't he been having these numbers all year? Don't know. He was the second guy, wasn't he, behind Barton for ages, and then uh, and then after Barton I missed a bit of time, Davis stepped in, and then Davis got injured as well. So I'm I've lost faith in Davis a bit now. I know Barton's a free agent after this year, unless they re re-sign him or um, or whatever. So, but I think Barton's a very average linebacker as linebackers go. Um, I think they they could do with some fresh blood in there, and yeah, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that that Hudson could be in the mix next season. Davis, yeah, I I don't know where I stand with him anymore. Well, because the really? year before that, they had Cole Holcomb. Cole Holcomb mm -hmm. was doing really well. I'll perform him. Then he went to the Steelers. So, yeah, I mean, Davis has never really lived up to the hype of what he was going to be because he said he's this uber-athletic specialist. And it's just, he's been a disappointment. Joe, you drafted him, I think, in the first round, I want to say, like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I drafted him with the, the high hopes. He could be a you know, stud for me at the linebacker position. But, you know, disappointed, I traded him away. I saw he's, you know, he's had a couple of good games for fantasy, but definitely just not even close to the expectation that had, you know, coming out and the expectation we had for him to produce in the league. So that does it for our IDP recap for week 16, as well as our tips for week 17 to help you win your championships. Jace, thanks so much again for joining the show today. Where can others find your great work? Okay, yeah, so I have a set of weekly rankings over on the idpshow.com. I have a podcast and YouTube show that comes out every Wednesday where I talk about some of the highlights and lowlights in those rankings with a different guest each week. And then you can find a weekly article that I produce about some of the improvements you can make to your roster every week um, in terms of trades, ads, trading away, and so on and so forth over at DLF. Uh, Dynasty rankings are also at DLF as well. So spread spread quite thinly, but hopefully that, uh, that covers all bases. Awesome. Well, we'll be back again next week with uh, Josh Raymer going over our IDP awards for the 2023 season. You're not going to want to miss that. Thank you so much for watching, and until next time.